Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5 and on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios. Here's Jerry Bow and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776. At Moneyline975 is where you can find us on Twitter, at Carlson Radio, at JoshJordan975, at Jerry Bone Knows with an S. The squad is in the building. It smells like barbecue out there. I can, I, if you're out there and you're getting ready for the festivities, for the it's a weekend of festivities here. Shout out to you for having us on. Let's get it popping, Josh. Let's do it. I wanted to get in this story a little bit because I want to talk a little bit of Texans. So let's talk a little Texans. Good morning football the other day. They were basically doing a poll. Uh, Nate Burleson, some of the other guys on there, they were talking about the top five wide receivers in the NFL who have the best hands. So who out of all the top guys catches the ball the best, has the most spectacular catches, however you want to qualify it, that was the question. So here is the top five. Antonio Brown, who we were just talking about last segment, coming in at number five. So kind of funny. Like if you asked this a few years ago, maybe he's a little higher on the list. I don't think uh, I don't think what he's doing personally is helping his reputation as a football player, unfortunately, which that really shouldn't come into question. But it is what it is. Number four, Odell Beckham Jr., and obviously, we remember some of the spectacular catches he's had in his career. We think of the one-handed catches he's had. You know, obviously a great football player. Number three, Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints. I think we kind of forget about him sometimes. He's, he's got great hands. He's a great Monster. wide receiver. Yeah, and he's a, he's a big dude, man. He's every bit of 6'3", knows how to shield off defenders, make great catches. All about that. The top two. Care to guess who the top two guys are? I think Houston's very own Hopkins is up there, but I don't know where they have him as far as one, two. Yep, you're you're dead on accurate. DeAndre Hopkins comes in at number one, followed by Julio Jones, Atlanta Falcons. I, I can't argue that. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good list here. And maybe Julio a little bit for a back, not not Hopkins. I'll, I'll leave Hopkins at one because what he shows, what he's shown with his hands, just straight up. Catching abilities is incredible. Consistent also. Yeah. With bad quarterbacks, he's done it. With good quarterbacks, he can do it. He 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 I'll give him one. Julio, I'm not saying he has bad hands not by no means, but I think his his attributes are stronger maybe in other cases. I agree. In, in other spots of his game. I'm I might put Michael Thomas ahead of him. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And it, just as far as yardage, if we want to go there, this isn't. This is just one, you know, one stat. There's a lot of things that go into best hands, but you know, Julio, 1,677 yards last year, <laughs> like that's pretty good. Hopkins came in at 1,572, which you know that's amazing too. I, you know, Hopkins is a guy that's going to get you almost double. Uh, double-digit touchdowns every year. I think he had 11 last year. Julio's a guy where he's kind of like Andre Johnson, where it seems like he comes in with like seven, eight, nine touchdowns every year. So if you're looking for somebody to catch you a ball in the end zone, I think Hopkins is that dude. We talk about hands. Let's transition to speed. Ooh, what you got? June 29th, 
something that a lot of fans have been probably wishing for, a 40-yard dash competition. I actually love this. Do you remember at the Pro Bowl when the 40-yard dash actually used to be one of the events they would do? Those were exciting to watch, man. Exciting is what we'll get. Saints, Alvin Kamara, Ted Ginn, Tariq Cohen, Robbie Anderson, Mark Ingram, Trey Waynes, Kevin Baird, and Buda Baker. It's just kind of an odd group, right? Like, some of them are great, but some of Mark Ingram, he ran like a 4-6-something 40 at the Combine. In he's, 2011, to yes, be exact. You're yeah, correct he, about that. He's a, he's a bruising power running back. I just find it odd. Odd is that I didn't realize Trey Waynes is the fastest guy on this list as far as 4-3-1 is what he ran in 2015. Man, and, and Rogers Cromartie is kind of right behind him at 4-3-3. I mean, these, don't get me wrong. These guys can move. The one that surprised me is Robbie Anderson. Like, like, he looks fast to me. He's a good downfield threat. I didn't know he was a 4-3-6 guy. Exactly. Looking just like this list, who would you put your money on if you had to buy a, buy a horse here? Oh, man. Ooh, this is a tough one. Uh, I'd probably go with one of the smaller guys, you know, Trey Waynes or Rogers Camardi, you know, the guys that yeah. don't even weigh 180 pounds, you know, just the guys that are just speed merchants. Because Ginn is talking about, you know, he's been in the talk uh, the last few weeks yeah, saying he'll put 10, 10K on it against anybody out there. 4-2-2 is what he said he's ran before. And I know at the combine, I think he ran high four threes, if I remember correctly. And here's the other thing we're not taking into account, right? Like, are, are these guys going to race each other? It's not just going to be a timed event because that can be different when you're lined up next to somebody and you're just trying to beat them in a race than if you're just running against a stopwatch. So, you know, maybe there's a thing where, where Ted Ginn knows, like, when I race somebody, you know, I can up it up, you know, I can up it a little bit. You know, I can, I can get a little more going. I, you know, that competitive nature comes out. I can run a little faster. So maybe that's what he's thinking. Ted Ginn's being Uncle Rico right now. He he's sitting there just watching him. <laughs> bet I could run. Bet I could run faster than all these guys. He shows up barefooted. <laughs> he shows up barefooted, corns everywhere, just watching these guys running. And you're like... Uncle Ted, what are you doing here? Like, I can run over the mountains are, over there. What are we trying to prove here? I'm not really sure. You know, Jacoby Ford's another sleeper. Like, he was a guy that ran really fast, too. He, you know, Oakland Raiders receiver. Um, so, yeah, I think it's one of these smaller guys that wins. You know, Alvin Kamara is a dude that I think he ran, like, low four fives at the Combine. He's more of a, a quicker than fast kind of guy. So, I think in a 40, I, I don't think he's going to win that. So, and Tariq Cohen's kind of a similar player to Kamara, you know, quicker than fast kind of dude. So, yeah, I'm thinking it's it's going to be one of these cornerbacks I think is probably going to win this thing. But you know what? I'll watch. If it's on TV, I'm curious. And, you know, I, I would watch. I think it's fun. I'll have a bet on it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> we ought to set a little handicap for this thing and see how we do. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some lines as we get a little closer to this, but we ought to set some ourselves. Why not? Speaking of speed, and we, we, we talked about hands with Julio. Amari Cooper also has come up this week for negotiations. A lot of Cowboys. We heard this week that an offer was made to Dak and they countered it. Yeah, and we heard that uh, Zeke got put in handcuffs this past week. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? I don't know, man. They it's- need to keep, keep him just... 
and I'm not going to sit here and say he was doing anything wrong or right. I'm not. I don't know too much of the details in it, but at the end of the day, he needs to have better people around him uh, as far as taking care of him, making sure. Like, all right, we know what he's what he can get himself into. We gotta be super on top of him. We can't allow anybody. Clo- How does yeah. anybody even get close to where they get thrown out? It just it doesn't make sense to me. He doesn't need to be at these places three months. And don't get me wrong; these are guys. It's a it's a it's a it's a human being. It's it's a it's a young man. He, he a pocket full of money. Yep. He needs he he too deserves to live a normal life. Sure. I'm not saying no, don't go out, but. It just seems he finds himself in the random in random spots. It does, and if if you're somebody like Jerry Jones and you're looking at who do I pay, Amari Cooper looks like a safer bet to pay him because I don't worry about what he's doing when he leaves the building, and I don't think Zeke's a bad guy or anything like that. He, he just caught got caught up again in another circumstance, and and let's face it, running backs don't last as long as receivers. So, man, I'm going to pay Amari Cooper. That's going to be one of the first guys that I lock up. You know, Dak, I'm still kind of on the fence with him, but I, I do feel like we talked about this last week. We think the Cowboys are going to win that division. So you don't want to get rid of your quarterback if you think you're going to win the division. So they're going to have to pay Dak. But I'm going to make Zeke wait. I'm going to wait until as long as I can to pay him because I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm going to get some phone call. You know what they need is who's the guy that would follow Pac-Man around when he was on the Cowboys, you know, the, the security guy. They need to get that guy following Zeke around and hanging out with him. He needs a fall guy, as Chris Carter would say. Cooper's deal this year, 13.92 is what he's owed. And then in 2020, the franchise tag would be at least $17 million. Now, Julio's coming up, and that's what a lot of people are saying that there, he's waiting to see him set the market price, and Julio is going to be asking somewhere around the ranges of eighteen million a year. No doubt about it. And man, Julio is an older player now too. I mean, Amari's a young dude. He even came out early out of college, as far as not early, I mean, but he was young. He was young for a player coming out of college. So you're going to get the prime years of Amari Cooper. They're going to have to pay up for that. And they're treating him as the first round pick. You've heard the Cowboys uh, say. That's our first round pick this year. Yeah. We didn't have it for we did this. They want to make sure that you know, hey, we we did that with the intentions of saying, I don't know if there'll be a better first round wide receiver. Here's our guy. Maybe a little, yeah, obviously a little older than what a rookie would be, but we'll take our chances. But now they have to make real decisions in Dallas. What are they going to do with Dak? How much money does he get? Where does Zeke find? Because he's got to get paid and he wants the top money, which he probably deserves. He does. And like I said, you know, Amari was young. Dude, he's about to get to his second contract. He's 24. Imagine that. He's 20, 24 years old. Getting his second contract. You could call this the prime of what his career yeah. will be. We never really have gotten to see his prime. So we're in the middle of it now. A small sample last year. We'll see if they can continue doing it. But the decisions are plenty to be made in Dallas because they got that defensive side of the ball, too. They got to keep these players down. It's a it's a good problem to have, I'd Absolutely. say. It's a good problem to say uh, have. Uh, hopefully, they don't overpay Dak, though. That's where a lot of this falls because I can justify paying Zeke. I can justify paying Cooper some. But Dak, the, the amount of money where he wants to fall, he wants to fall right under the, you know, the some of these guys set the market price. And as soon as you see Russell Wilson get paid for, then Dak's like, okay, I can run too. I'm I'm similar to Russell. No, you're not. I was a third round pick too. 
or you know, right? Exactly. Like they're thinking in that same. I came in for yeah. You, you replace Flynn. I replace Romo. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, don't overpay Dak. Give Zeke his money. Give Cooper his money. Get that defense. Cowboys got all some big pieces in line. I'm curious to see what they got going on this year, and uh, I'll be backing them to win the division. No, n- no doubt about it. I am too. And uh, actually, Dak was a fourth round. Uh, pick not even a third so even even further back than than i thought but uh yeah dude he's going after that money but look russell everybody wants to make that comparison dudes won super bowls you know you haven't dak so no you don't get that money and you don't and you don't have cr laying next to you making (laughs) videos you're listening to moneyline espn 97.5 Twitter. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline975. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776. Give us a call. Get in on the fun. Get in on the gambling. Get in on the money. Let's talk money right now. There's been enough teasing, so let's get into what's at stake. I know you're out there waiting to put this bet in. The game doesn't even go off for a while, so that's why I put it off. The game goes off at 1.30 Central Standard Time. We're taking a trip to Italy. Atalanta. No, I did not stutter. No, the stream did not <laughs> freeze. Atalanta, not Atlanta, against Sassuolo. What you have here is a Atalanta team that needs a win to to get in Champions League, uh, to get into the Champions League race. A win here, three points, will do that for them. What do you have in them? They're tied for the most goals scored in that league. They got 74 goals they've scored. Now, when you say that, well, why aren't they higher in the standings? They're third because they've also allowed 45. Some of these top teams, for example, Juventus, they scored 70, but they only allowed 28. That's a, Napoli, they scored 74. They only allowed 36. So uh, Atlanta, they scored 74. They could score with those big-time teams, but they allowed 45, so they also allow goals. So keeping that thought in mind, let's look at who the opponent is. And the opponent is Sassuolo, a team that scored in the last five away games. Two, one, one, two, one. They've got on the board every single time. So then you ask yourself, in this particular matchup, these two guys, head-to-head, how do they perform against each other? In the last five games, both teams have scored it every single game. 2-1-2-1-1-1-1-1-2-1. You see the pattern here. Both teams are going to get on the board. Atlanta's going to have to go out there and, and risk some because they need the three points, leaving themselves open. I see about a 3-1 to one game, 2-1 to one game, somewhere around there. Give me both teams to score in the Italian League. Atalanta, Sassuolo, get your passport ready. Uh, cook up something Italian. Whatever you want to do, the bread's going to be baking. We'll talk this 
afternoon after this game's over, we'll be celebrating. But expect goals here from both sides. I think Atalanta use, uh, ends up winning it. If you look at uh, sometimes when lines don't make sense, I went to look at the team total on the away team. And uh, Sassuolo, it's at over or under half a goal, minus 145. So they're saying it's juice. So they're saying, okay, they're pro- it's it's the favorite, the, the favorite bet here is that they will get on the board. But then if you go look at both teams to score, it's only minus 130. So why would you do, unless you're really scared that Atalanta is not going to score, being the highest scoring team, being the team that averages two goals per game, being a team that their matches average 3.4 per game, the highest in the league, you're telling me that they're not going to score in a must-win game? That's not my my worries here. My worries is on the Sassuolo side, but a team that's shown that they can score. In this head match, uh, head-to-head matchup, they can score. Give me both teams to score. Ooh, like that. That's a spicy meatball play right there. Get the Italian league going. We're going to have to hit some of these, right, until the bigger soccer games come back. You know, we're going to have to find some of these diamonds in the rough here. So there you go, guys. Get it in. What time did you say uh, the game started? 1.30 Central Standard Time. Uh, wherever you're at, we got a worldwide listener. Some guy just uh, t- uh, tagged us in uh, something on Twitter saying, I'm listening, and he's overseas. So appreciate that. We appreciate all the support. Anything you miss, catch us on Podcast Arena. Uh, there'll be bets on here, I'm thinking about giving them the, the Europa League winner. Just, really? just just dumping it on air. Sometime throughout this show in the next 40 minutes, 11.21 right now, 39 minutes till we get out of here, I'm dropping that Europa League Ooh. because the guy I got in front of me, his heart's into that game. He <laughs> he bleeds that red. Yeah, that's true. He bleeds for that. And I'm not, I can't even say with the team right now because that's going to spoil the bet. I'm going to do that for you. You guys have been good to me. I'll be good to you back. During this show, we'll drop the Europa League final bet. I'm gonna bet a, I'm gonna put a lung on it. <laughs> well, uh, we got a story here about some guy that put a something else on a, a bullet. You, you want to get into this? <laughs> Tell a little me bit? more. All right, so uh, you accidentally shoot yourself. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna need this type of music for something like this. Uh, headline: You actually shoot you accidentally shoot yourself in the the undercarriage. How about we put it that way? To yeah, actually right there in the huevos and then they find balloons filled with uh, marijuana stuffed uh, in you know where <laughs> Cameron yes, Jeffrey Wilson 27 years old had a pistol tucked into his front pocket April 5th when the gun discharged sending a bullet through his testicles and into his thigh instead of heading directly to the hospital Wilson instructed his girlfriend to first drive to Lincoln Park in Wenatchee, where he gave his pistol to a friend because uh, you, as a convicted felon, it's illegal to possess one, and he was a convicted felon, from what I understand here. Yeah, a 13-time convicted felon. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't let... <laughs> I actually, I, I'm, I'm, I skipped over that part because I, I thought that that was a, 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 a mistype. Like, no, was, lucky number 13 right here. <laughs> so basically, the doctors and nurses performed surgery at the Central Washington Hospital. A balloon containing marijuana slipped out of his anus, the affidavit said. <laughs> Sheriff's detectives, uh, detectives were notified that Wilson had suffered a gunshot wound and then resp- uh, responded to the hospital. They searched the car that he had come there in and found a bag of methamphetamine. Shocker. Inside, <laughs> inside a pair of blood-stained jeans he'd taken off before entering the hospital. This is ridiculous. But this isn't his first time. No. Now, the Wilson, the East Wanachi resident, turned himself in on April 18th. Uh, 
basically, he's done this before, though. Another balloon slipped out of his anus, according to probable <laughs> cause affidavit, on April 19th. Why is this guy doing this? <laughs> What's really interesting, too, is when he got rid of the gun, why didn't he ditch the marijuana at the same time, right? And the meth. Yeah, and the meth. And the other thing in this article, this is in Washington. Like, I believe marijuana is legal there. Yeah. Why are, you, why are you storing it inside you? And why are you storing It's like he's trying to transport heroin into jail and right. sell it. And it's like, it better not be no, no stem and seed stuff just scratching right. on you. Yeah. Those guys that, 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 that smuggle heroin, it's like, what, is he going to pull out a nickel sack? Right. But it makes no sense. You wouldn't think marijuana would be something that would be easily fit into small spaces, if you know what I'm saying. So that seems like a peculiar thing to do, especially when it's legal in the state. What are you doing? This guy's out of control. They need to lock him up. Leave him locked up. What, 13-time convicted felon. Like, <laughs> 13. Like 13. And he's still doing stuff like this. You know, it's like when somebody's like, oh, I went to rehab. Oh, yeah, man, is this your first time? No, man, this is my ninth time. You're like, whoa, <laughs> like your ninth time. <laughs> All right, this is your 13th time that you've been a convicted felon? That's not a misdemeanor. 13-time convicted felon. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, man. It, it's crazy. And, and you shoot yourself, you know, like, what a day. What a day. I mean, at least he's got a great story to tell for the rest of his life. It's funny, though, because, I mean, you're shot, so you have to go to the hospital. You do? Yeah. I mean, unless you're going to go, like, in the mob movies where you go to, like, a vet that'll treat you, you know, under the table in a back room late at night. Because, you know, if there's any kind of gunshot wound, they have to call the cops. It, yeah, that's how it works. It kind of reminds me of the, I don't know, I'm sure all of you heard, you know, Houston Bunsby, uh, his house was yeah. broken into. And I went back and listened to the, he was on the Breakfast Club, him and his wife, and uh, they told the whole story about how it went down and it's pretty interesting uh when he comes down the steps she basically uh she made sure she said hey bun don't come down the steps so so the guy that was robbing him could hear that it was bun mm -hmm. in case he didn't know and he didn't know she said she saw him like tense up like oh man i'm in bun b's house right now like what am i doing here you know what i mean and yeah basically after he took off uh bun was naked but naked <laughs> he uh he was on the toilet actually upstairs <laughs> <laughs> um, he said he never put on clothes. He just said as soon as he heard what was going on downstairs, his instinct kicked in like, I've been waiting for this moment to protect my family. Like, this is what I'm built for. He said uh, he went down there and he was walking down the steps and they could hear him coming down. She told him, don't come. The guy was yelling at him, don't come down those steps. Uh, and then she was telling him, Bun, don't. And that's when he kind of hesitated. She, he ended up getting the keys to her car to take off. Once he went in there, he couldn't figure out how to get the car going. It's like a, it's a new car. Yeah. I'm sure it's a, a nice car. He couldn't figure it out going. Once he did, Bun comes out there butt naked and starts busting at him, <laughs> shoots him. The guy gets away, but he has to go to the hospital because he's shot. Yeah. Kind of going with this. If you get shot, you got to go to, I mean, unless you're going to bleed out. Right. You got to go. Now, this brings up another question. <laughs> Last week, we were talking about A-Rod on the toilet and that photo getting captured of him in his uh, apartment with J-Lo. He's wearing a dress shirt while on the toilet, or his bum B, you're telling me, prefers to go full-on commando when he's on the toilet. Command. So, so two different styles here. You know, the completely naked on the toilet style and the A-Rod. He, he's wearing business casual on the toilet. I like to land somewhere in the middle with a tuxedo <laughs> shirt. You're tuxedo listening to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. SPS, 97.5.
You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Infield is in, 2-2 pitch from Barnes. Correa drops it in the right, and the Astros win it. 4-3. Yeah, just, you know, at that spot, I'm thinking, you know, I got to finish this game. Uh, I, mean, I really want to give the at-bat to Judy. Uh, a walk or a sack fly or whatever will get the job done. So, um, you know, I was just not trying to do too much. Just try to put the ball uh, in play to right center field. And, uh, you know, it happened to, to fall for a hit. Carlos Correa. With the walk-off win last night, welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776 at Moneyline975 if you want to talk some Astros. This is uh this is the good part of Houston Rice Sports. Yeah. This is the what it's got the it's got the feeling around the city as this is the year. This is our year. Last night against the Red Sox, crucial situation. They came through once again. It was big because you know, they were looked like the Astros were kind of cruising, and then you get to the ninth inning, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this that Joe Buck completely kind of cursed us there with, you know, Osuna he hasn't blown any saves this year, he's been fantastic, and then you know base hit, and then like a little bloop, and then all of a sudden you get the double, and the game is, I mean, it took like three minutes, it felt like at least, and the game was tied up in the ninth. It it was so. And I, right when he said it too, I'm like, man, he just he jinxed us right there. And then, and then Osuna didn't even really get tagged that hard. And then what was great is Osuna was able to to get out of trouble there and keep the game tied in the ninth inning, which was huge. I mean, that was really big. And then I just I don't know about you, Andrew, if you caught the game or not, but I just had the feeling that Astros were going to win that thing in the bottom of the ninth. Like once they got out of it with the tide in the ninth, I was like, okay, you know, we got Bregman coming up here, we got you know Correa coming up. And they took care of business. And it was a great job by Correa of just staying with that ball to right field. He got a good pitch. And, I mean, the pitcher was really wild. So I thought Correa did a good job of forcing a strike, and he got the big hit. Oh, yeah, you were absolutely on the money there, Josh. Once it got to that point, there was no doubt in my mind, and I'm sure in most of Houston's mind, that they were taking home that game. The team just has that feeling this year. It's reminiscent of when they won the World Series where – it just seems like they are never quite out of anything. Absolutely. What are your guys' thoughts on uh, Brad Peacock? He came into Man. the game riding a three-game winning streak. He, I mean, five hits, zero runs, one walk, eight Ks. Peacock's one of those guys that when he's on, he's on. You know, when and some guys aren't like that, but he's kind of streaky to where if you know if his arm angle's good and he's got some good action that day and his slider's really working, then. He can be devastating, man, especially on right-handed hitters. And you usually know with Peacock early on if he has it or not. You can you know, see yeah, yeah. if he's on or not. Yeah, sure. you know, like with some basketball players, you can tell, like, oh, yeah, he's feeling it tonight. Like with Peacock, he feels like that kind of guy where you're like, yeah, he's got it today. And he was fantastic. I love to see that because, you know, the starting rotation has been – if you only have, you know, one real concern about the Astros, it's probably, you know, the back end of the starting rotation, bull – Bullpen's been fantastic in the eighth and ninth inning. So that that's where you kind of worry. Garrett Cole's been kind of up and down, 
You know, he's still getting a lot of strikeouts, but he doesn't even have a winning record on this team. That's It's an incredible team, and he doesn't have a winning record as a pitcher. So that tells you he's kind of having an up-and-down year. I think he'll get it together. we got Verlander on the hill today. I mean, you you got to like your chances with Verlander today. So anytime we can beat the Red Sox, that's a good day as an Astros fan. I guess the only sour news out of this whole last few days is the injury to Springer, right? Right, and... You know, you're so fortunate that Marisnik is playing the way he is right now. He's, man, he's having a great year. So you hate to lose Springer, but it's it's nice. The Astros have so much depth. And, you know, Andrew was talking about the World Series year. Like, this team has a lot of depth, too. And if, if you lose a guy, now Tuve, he's about to come back. He's going out on assignment. So, yeah, you, you lose Springer, but you're getting now Tuve back. You guys remember the narrative around Correa coming into the season? Has that changed at all, you think? Does... Does does that target on his back kind of get put down a little bit? Because, you know, three years ago, you would say, arguably two, three years ago, you know, that he was one of the most important pieces sure. here. And then everyone else has grown and become such an impactful player on this roster that now Correa kind of had one little bad season and let's say off season And now all of a sudden he wasn't people were saying man maybe they need to let him go maybe he's not the carlos correa that we thought he would be he's maybe this guy isn't going to pan out and all of a sudden now I'm not saying he's he's just but the depth of this team requires him that at certain moments like yesterday for him to show up it is and andrew i think you'll probably agree it's about health with correa right like when he's healthy you don't worry about him nobody doubts his talent no there's not a single person that doubts that ability of Carlos Correa but when you have a back injury yeah especially at a young age like that man that's that's scary I'm really glad to see him fingers crossed be healthy this year but there's always going to be that lingering thought in the back of your mind after that season where hey man you really don't want that back to flare up no and that's always going to be a question with him moving forward it just simply is it is and he's a guy he's a really tall shortstop and having to bend down for all those ground balls, being that big of a dude, it kind of reminds me, you know, Cal Ripken was really tall at shortstop. And, you know, that's something for Cran. He, he generates so much torque, you know, on that swing. He swings hard, man. He's a big, strong dude that, yeah, you worry about the back with him. But, man, he's been doing great. He's, I think he's really stepped up this year after seeing Bregman get his deal. And Cray is like, man, I'm, I'm going to go get my money, too. We're, we're going to win some more championships. And it was funny. I saw him really talking up Verlander in the dugout yesterday. And, you know, just really it seemed like he was asking him questions. And it really made me want to be a fly on the wall and be like, you know, what's Correa asking Verlander? You know, I was really curious. I, I'd like to know what they were talking about. It seemed like they were really into something there. Maybe he was asking, do you see something with this pitcher? Who knows? Maybe he was asking what you're doing later tonight. I have no idea. But, you know, I'm just always curious, you know, and, and that tells me, too, I think Correa is a pretty smart dude when you're talking to a guy like Verlander trying to get some tips and some information because that guy knows about pitching. Some information that's been coming out, and I guess we'll call it rumor instead of information. Some people are saying that the Astros can go after Marcus Stroman. What do you all think about that? I think it's going to be a really interesting trade deadline for the Astros. I'm really curious to what they would see. I've even heard people talking about, like, Max Scherzer is somebody. Cool. You know, I know what I mean. Like, that would be crazy. I don't know, Andrew. Is anybody you have your eyes on for him? Uh, if we're going going crazy and going all out, get, like, a Jacob deGrom or something. Get, some, get somebody. If if you have the ability with the farm system without giving up Jordan, um Maybe without giving up Whitley, I know that would probably it would probably require Whitley to get any of these big name guys. 
And Whitley hasn't exactly had the greatest start to his season, so it might bounce back. But, man, if you've got the ability to get that final piece to the rotation, get that third top-line starter to yep. really just cement your status as the team in the major leagues, I think you've got to do it. I agree with you. And, you know, I would say maybe the middle of the bullpen is where you could use some help, too, because, you know, it, it's been really good with Osuna and Presley. But look at the year Will Harris is having. You know, I didn't expect that. That's the thing with relief pitchers, man. You can just flip a coin on if it's going to be a good year or not. Just because a guy has a bad year doesn't mean that's going to happen the next year. And then the opposite is true as well. But it'll be interesting, man. They're, they're loaded. The farm system's good. The team is good. I mean, you can lose a guy like Springer and you're like, oh, you know, Altuve's about to come back from a rehab, you know, stint and come back. And I know Altuve hadn't had that great a year so far, but you know he's going to start hitting. That's what that dude does. Things are looking great for the Astros. I went to see what the bet is as far as them winning. I'm just curious. Sure. When a team is doing well like this, the public catches on. The books are anticipating it. Four to one is nowhere close to what they should be paying for the Astros to win it all. <laughs> uh, obviously, I think that I think they are or have a good shot to. Sure. But at four to one, oh. I mean, that's tough. That's not bad. You're better off doing a mechanical parlay, which is once they get to the playoffs – Bet, bet against whoever they go against the first series. Put your whatever money you were going to put down. Uh, say let, okay, let's do it like this. Say you were going to win a, a bet a hundred dollars on the Astros to win the championship, right? Hundred pays you four. That way, say you do it mechanical wise. Whoever they play the first series, you'll put that hundred. Of course, they'll be big favorites. Sure. So say that hundred maybe pays you like thirty or forty, depending all depends who they get matched up against. Say it pays you hundred. Uh, that hundred pays you thirty or forty. So now you got one thirty. Now you're gonna take that whole one thirty and you're gonna throw it on the next series, and then you're gonna it's gonna probably pay a lot less again because they'll be favored. But you one thirty or maybe pay you like sixty. So now you're at like one ninety. Now when you get to the later series you hope that they play against a good team to where they're not favored by that much now you're 190 say they did go up against whoever a good team a boston sure. whoever now that's where you make your money your 190 is going to pay you remember you're only trying to get to that 400 range so your 190 is going to pay you x amount of dollars and a lot of times it works out better that way Ooh, i kind of like that jerry that's are you a gambling expert of some sort? <laughs> some, <or? laughs> I, sometimes we gamble. Yeah, just a little bit. And you've, you're going to drop another max play during this show, right? The, the next segment, we got one segment left. I'm just going to throw out random plays. We're just Ooh. we're not even going to give no talks around them. Just random moments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit up here and we're just going to throw. We're going to have fun this whole last segment. Plays, a lot of laughs, a lot of money. Turn us up. One segment less. 11.41 in the morning. You're listening to Money on ESPN 97.5. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline975. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776. Home stretch. Let's close this out big at 
Carlson Radio, at Josh Jordan 97.5, at Jerry Bo Knows, at Moneyline 97.5. Text, tweet us, get in on the show, let's have some fun. I'll be throwing out random, random bets throughout these last 10, 11 minutes, so get by the computer, stay ready. Yeah, we're going to do it. We got Jerry already dropped a huge max play. That game goes off in the 1 o'clock hour, so you got a little bit of time to still get that bet in. If you want to go check out the podcast, Podcast Arena, you can see what that play is. Jerry's going to make you some money. He's been on fire with the soccer picks the last week or so. I mean, always, but in general, my Lord, the last week or so, the 20-unit max bets have been firing off. Ooh, your bookie's got to be hating it right now. Yeah, I saw that little tweet you had with, you know, how you look walking up to your bookie. It was a funny tweet. (laughs) Definitely check out Jerry's uh, Twitter timeline. There's some funny stuff on there. So, hey, man, looks like we got about one segment to go here. We want to drop some bets. What do we want to get into here? What, what do we talk about? I got a, I got all kinds of stuff here. Let's I, drop a quick bet, and ooh. then we'll jump into some Poland, Tahiti. We're going to the under-20 World Cup. What I see here is a Tahiti team that when you get these small, small countries, and they're just happy to be there. Yeah. These are the games that you see sometimes 7 or 8, 9, 0, and you're asking, was that baseball? <laughs> But no, it's soccer. And what I see here is Poland running through them. The spread is minus 4, minus 125, so it's juiced on them to cover the 4. What don't make, doesn't make sense to me is the team total is 4 over under for Poland, 4, minus 165. So for them to cover the, the game spread, for you to win the minus 4, they would have to score 5 goals at minus 125. Let's say, for example, they have a, which I don't think, I, I think they'll shut out Tahiti, but say they have a mental lapse and, and something happens. These are kids under 20-year-olds, and Tahiti scores one. Now you have to score, now you still have to win by 4, so if you, 5 to 1 doesn't even win you, you push. So, rather than if you took the team total over and paid a little bit more juice, you you consider yourself uh, the winner there. At four, you get your money back. You see the four is set as the line spread and the team total. I think that's a safe bet. I think that the books are, are have to be worried about it getting a four and just staying there. I think it's a this is what you call a free roll. I think that uh, Poland's going to score about five or six goals in this game. It's going to be if you watch one of these games, it's one of these games you laugh at and you say, <laughs> "How do these guys?" How are these guys playing soccer? Again, remember, it's Tahiti. They got many other things going on in Tahiti rather than worrying about soccer. That's a really good point. So you're saying team total over four for Poland? Is that Team where total going? over four on Poland. Uh, go ahead and hit them at halftime if you want minus one and a half as well. I think they'll be up 2-3-0. It's a matter of how fast they score, not win. But the, as soon as they score that one, it's it, let, the, let the floodgates open up because Tahiti's out there to let's not lose by double digits kind of thing. No, that makes a lot of sense. So get in on it, guys. We're, we're just going to keep dropping plays. This is the last segment. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about some crazy stuff. We're going to drop some money in your pocket. I did want to ask you about this. Did you see uh, Johnny Manziel's ex having a divorce party this weekend in Miami? I saw that. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. She talked about why they broke up, and some people are coming after her on social media, and she's saying that 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 trust and that commitments were broken you know, it makes you think that, you know, maybe Johnny had an Instagram model, maybe slide in the DMs, something like that. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's only speculation, but there are already some photos of her partying, and I don't know. That's 
you, you could have a worse uh, Memorial Day weekend than, than hanging out with Johnny's ex-wife here, at least soon-to-be ex-wife. She's uh, pretty easy on the eyes, Jerry, I, I got to tell you. She's kind of got a Megan Fox thing going on. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I saw that. Uh, it just makes you wonder. I saw them partying it up, and, you know, Johnny's over there. But, again, I saw her comments because a lot of people were going off on her yeah. saying that she was a, a gold digger, and she said, no, it's actually the opposite, but when one person breaks the trust. Yeah. Broken re- vows. Exactly. There you go. So, you know Johnny did something. He's up to Johnny no good. That's what I'm thinking, man. So there you go. Who would have thought that? We should have had a some handicap that marriage, right? For how long it would last. Under. Well, we would yeah, said it like maybe six months is is the over under there. Let's talk uh let's talk somebody else that's having some trouble on social media that's always had it, but somehow keeps finding himself there. Kevin Durant. <laughs> so I don't know why he gets into these fights with trolls or 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 a response. I'm not even calling it a fight. He he He's obviously a guy that cares about what the people say, and he goes out and reaches out. So basically, Warriors talk, put the Warriors win 110-99, take a commanding 3-0 series lead against the Blazers. This was last year. Doubt us with doubt us without KD, doubt Curry, Clay, and Dre, and keep thinking Milwaukee's better. Y'all doubters and haters will see is what a, uh, a random tweeter put. You know what I mean? Here comes, here comes KD. Very divisive, Mikey. Let's celebrate this win as Dub Nation. Bleep is wrong with you. <laughs> wow. Like, so he's just sitting around reading anytime that the Warriors, anything Warriors Twitter, Warriors media puts out, he goes, he's that guy that goes to the comments and sits there and like, what, what are you doing? The guy is just, it's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? And you heard him yeah. earlier this week. He was involved with the Chris Broussard thing saying, uh, you know, you don't even have my number, which I believe KD, he doesn't have his number. And I do look on Chris Broussard in a different way for saying it's different than having a, a text message and a DM. That's different. That's true. And and he went to that card of, hey, it's the same thing in 2019. We're messaging between, you know, back and forth with each other. It doesn't matter if it's on Instagram or if it's a text message. I get your point, but you know he did kind of misrepresent it as far as like, oh, we're talking all the time, exactly, and that's not really the case. But my deal with KD is, I'm just like, why is he so pissed off all the time? You know, like you guys win championships, you're one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the his world. His mom's the MVP. Yeah, like what is so bad about being Kevin Durant that you're just you're just waiting to be upset? Well, it's funny because look, one guy responds responds to him, "Calm down, we know you're sensitive." <laughs> he he writes back, you right. Let me chill before my sensitivity flare up. You a real one, bro. Like, what is going on with him? Like, he said, this is Kevin Durant. It is. And, you know, all the speculation is that he might go to New York. How do you think that kind of personality is going to deal with the New York media when it when it doesn't go well or something Kevin doesn't like what some reporter writes about him in the New York media. He is going to get killed. I don't know if he has the, I don't know, the wherewithal to deal with that kind of criticism because it, I know he's a great player, but it's not always going to be perfect. And if he goes to New York and has to start all over, whether he gets another superstar with him or not, they're, they're not going to just start winning championships. You know, it's going to take a while to build that thing up. And there's going to be some criticism for the New York media. That's what they do. That's why guys like Eli Manning do so well in those markets because they, they just don't pay attention to that stuff. But Kevin, he's he's going out of his way to, to look for this type of, you know, reports and people coming after him. 
I don't think that's a good fit, man. Him going to New York, I think that could blow up in his face. Now that Kawhi and the Raptors made the finals, what do you guys think uh, is happening now with his future? What will happen? Does this, does this not cement, but does this sway him more to staying in Toronto? What do you think, Andrew? I think it does. I, I don't, obviously, like you said, Jerry, I don't think it makes it a guarantee in any way, shape, or form. But with everything that this franchise has been through over the course of their history and the playoff failures year after year after year, and to finally get to that mountaintop after all those years of failures, to hit that shot against the Sixers, mm. man, he's had some iconic moments in these playoffs. And I think you're a fool if you don't think it ties him to that city in any way, shape, or form. It has to. Yeah. See, I kind of feel that way, too. And, and I'm looking at this headline here on this website that says, you know, mystery man yelling in Instagram live video filmed by Kawhi Leonard's sister implies that Kawhi is leaving Toronto after the finals. I mean, this could just be some dude, you know, so that there may not be any merit to this. I'm kind of with you, Andrew. Like, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? If you go and win the whole thing, then, yeah, maybe stick around. Obviously, that's a good fit for you. But... You know how it is. In Toronto, from what I hear, is a really cool city. A lot but, of people yeah. haven't penciled in, though, going back to California. Right. And, Maybe even the Clippers. And, that, yeah. and exactly that. And a lot of people say L.A., but it's it, I don't see him wanting to sit in the shadows of LeBron. He's not a guy that wants to deal with all that. He's a simplistic guy. He's, yeah. a, he's like, let's just play basketball. He doesn't want to deal with all that. I see him going to the Clippers if he went anywhere. But I, I think he stays in Toronto. That crowd, when they were chanting his name yesterday, you know, he's a he's a weird guy because his emotions show in weird ways. Yesterday, sure. it was like he was like mesmerized. His eyes were all huge, and he didn't know what to do but you could tell he was taking it in like you know what this is my spot no doubt and I'm sure you guys were watching that game and and, and kind of when they got the momentum and took the lead late there in the fourth quarter like you could feel the energy of that crowd man I mean you could just you could feel it through your television you know that was exciting that's exciting for them and I'm with you Jerry he had to feel that too I mean he was in the building and I could feel it on my couch you know before we get out of here I want you to feel something on your couch we're going to drop the Europa League bomb. You're lucky if you're listening right now. This was a private play for me. But if you made it out to support us, then I'll support you in busting the bookie over the head. The play here is Arsenal team total over one. There's no way that I don't see Arsenal getting on the board at least one time throughout this game. At the least, at the least, I think that we're free rolling. And I think we're free rolling early. I see a goal within those first 30 minutes. I don't see them being able to stop that attack that Arsenal. I don't see how Arsenal is an underdog in this match. Plus 125 to lift the trophy. I'm taking Arsenal, big, big bet. I'm throwing the kidney on it. Arsenal, team total, over one. And a little bet on Arsenal to win the title, to get themselves Champions League ready. I love Arsenal. My man right here, uh, uh, Andrew, is a big, big supporter of them. So I figured we'd drop it now. As for the show, thank you again for listening on another Sunday. We really appreciate the support from Josh Jordan, Andrew Carlson, and your man Jerry Bone Nose. Peace. ESPN 97.5. I assumed you knew...